0: You're listening to the best of Morning Drive with Dietrich and White, an on-demand audio presentation of redpeachsports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's today's show.
1: Good morning, North Louisiana. What up? How goes it, Aaron and Jake hanging out here in the Caldwell Banker Group One Realty Studio in West Monroe? Jake, was that a better intro? Was that better than seven? O'clock? Much better. That bring a little bit more enthusiasm too. Yeah, it's like it? you know,
2: you get better as the fourth quarter comes on. It's <laughs> yeah. good.
1: Or a couple of coffees are in me. Maybe that. Maybe that's too. A guy that is certainly uh, pepped up this morning, coming off a big win last night versus Grambling, as they take care of business, sixteen to two. Michael Federico joins us on the Stuart Shelby Hotline for his weekly visit. Coach Fed, how are you doing this morning, bud?
3: Morning, guys. Doing real well. Uh,
1: let's go there. Sixteen to two. The bats are certainly alive and well. You bang out a season high seventeen hits. Of course, this comes on the heels of a loss, but what you did against Coastal Carolina in the uh, third game—it's got to feel good to see this offense coming to life.
3: It is definitely. You know, it's down the stretch. And, you know, you never know what's going to happen. Long bus ride going over there to Coastal, and um, you know, I thought our guys played well um really all weekend, for the most part, we just didn't make a couple plays from the defensive side that led to some big innings against them. And then, uh, and of course, Sunday our backs were against the wall, really proud of the way we played, but, um, you know, disappointed with the outcome. We had a chance to do it with two outs. And, uh, you know, Lancaster, who hit the walk-off home run, you know, got a, got a pitch that, uh, um, you know, mislocated a little bit. And uh, he took advantage of a mistake and, you know, who knows? Maybe he hits a ground ball, maybe he pops it up, but uh, he got a hold of it and they get the walk-off win. So it was really demoralizing, in a way. But uh, you know, I was really proud of our guys responding, coming back, um, and playing a really good Grambling team. You know, they're hitting about 290 as a team, and uh, got a little bit of power, a little bit of speed, and uh, was really proud of our guys for you know the way we competed last night, and uh, definitely with the with the you know the hits and you know score
1: runs coach before the game could you sense uh, a little pressure on this team I and mean, when you've lost uh, i think going into that game 10 of your last 11 and of course grambling got the best of you the first time around could you feel a, a little uh, tension on your squad are they pretty loose
3: no i think they were pretty loose
1: um you know we've
3: got so many seniors on our team and you know they're they're seeing and their careers kind of coming to an end um you know, and I think they've, they've just – they're appreciating every moment that they have right now, the ability to play as a team and, you know, put their spikes on and some of those kind of things. And I think they realize, you know, we kind of hold our own destiny right now. And I think they're just they're, – they're appreciating the opportunity to be able to play, and they want to go out on a positive note. Um, you know, we ended up busing back from Coastal and kind of split the trip up, which I think helped keep our legs underneath us on, on you know, last night. And, um, and I think they were ready to go. We had a had a you know off day on, on Monday, and um, you know it was. It, I, just, I just think that they're excited about where they're at, and again, they know that their careers are kind of coming to an end, and they're appreciating every moment that they have.
1: I got a number of questions about your players, but I, I have one about a guy that you've seen now twice, Marshawn Taylor from Grambling. This kid is quite a player. I think he's hitting over four ten now for the season. How impressed have you been with the, literally the best player in the SWAC?
3: Yeah, they, I mean, they got a couple of guys that, you know, that you kind of have to circle them. Okay, this guy's got speed. Um, we don't want to let him get on base because he's going to be able to run and do these kind of things. And then they've got a little bit of power um, in that middle of the lineup, and they're very, very disciplined. They don't really swing and miss much. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm very impressed with the with the offense unit that they have and how they can um, – it's very difficult to pitch to them because they have so many different different weapons. Um, you know, we got the best from the mound last night on them. You know, we got, ended up getting a seventh spot in the first inning. And, um, you know, I know that's kind of been a little bit of their, their question marks, which it is for everybody if you think about it from the depth standpoint. We all have our issues when it comes to the mound. But when you can score runs like they can and you've got a guy like like Taylor that, that can just kind of set the tone, it's it's amazing.
1: Uh, we mentioned of course the season high 17 hits but also you got a nice solid performance on the bump from a number of players how nice was it to be able to get a couple different pitchers into the ball game and of course they were able to hold their own
3: it really was you know uh Trishel, who started for us you know he's, he's got really really good stuff he's got the ability to baby to to kind of take over a game with his fastball he didn't travel with us so i thought he was a little bit rested and um you know that kind of worked out in our favor because I know some of the other guys, some of the older guys, were a little bit tired. But uh, he gave us, you know, really a quality start. I mean, typically a quality start is five innings, but for what Cole did last night, giving us those four innings, and, you know, the damage control in the first inning of just giving up the one run was was huge. Um, We needed that. He needed that. And, um, you know, it was nice to get, um, you know, Cole Hendricks out there, who hasn't pitched in a couple of weeks as well. Um, We all know his story and appreciate, you know, the story that you did on him and his family. With uh, the loss of his mother, and I know he he valued getting back out there and competing, and you know it was good to see back off and putting him into a left on left situation. He had to face two of the three um, better hitters for them from the left side, and then um, you know of course to get Cole Gray, who's kind of been up and down for us, to get him back out there was really nice as well. And then along with Robert Fowles, who threw two innings and he got out of a, a big jam as well. He walked walked one or two guys in that inning and ended up hanging it up a zero. So. Um, you know, proud of those guys, and again, you know, we need, we need some people to step up, and you're seeing that a little bit. Um, one of our outfielders, Turner Francis, um, kind of messed up his shoulder a little bit at Coastal on Sunday, and we got Gino Marucci in there because we have another guy that has a broken hand, so Gino hasn't played a lot, and it's been fun to kind of see his, his energy that he's been bringing, um, and he's had some big hits for us as well.
1: Coach, you mentioned uh, Coastal Carolina. It was a tough weekend, the fact that you were not able to pick up a game there. You look at Coastal, though, what a uh, top 15 team this season. How good is this program? We know about the national championship and, of course, also the facilities that they have over there.
3: Well, I think Gary's, you know, he's put together a, a it, It's a program, and I think that's the key point. You know, programs are the ones that can sustain, you know, success over a number of years when they lose players or whether it's because of the draft or graduation. And I think that's what he has. He's got a, you know, like you said, he's got a beautiful facility to be able to recruit to, um, you know, the state of South Carolina baseball is really good with uh, not only them, but Clemson and and South Carolina, you know, ACC and an SEC team. And, uh, you know, he's got a really good thing going. Um, granted, you know, he did win a national championship a couple years ago, but, uh, you know, that, that, that in itself, the program's been, you know, a, a fixture at the mid-major level for a long time, and Gary does a really good job. His, it, you know, the, the neat thing about what, what they're doing, too, um, it's something that I want to get here is their, their assistant coaches have been there for over 12 years apiece, and, you know, that, that sustains some success, too. And, and when you can do that, when you have your, your nucleus from the coaching staff and the, the ability to be able to, you know, the foundations of your program kind of keep carrying over, um, with the coaches and then, you know, along with bringing in the right blend of junior college guys and high school guys, that, that's what a program is. And usually when, a, when you have a program that's at that, that caliber, it, it sustains success year in and year out, and that's what Gary's done.
1: Certainly have that rough stretch behind you, a number of uh, road games during it. Now uh, the schedule really turns in your favor with a number of home games. You had the game last night versus Grambling now six straight starting with the Georgia state this weekend. What do you anticipate?
3: Yeah. You know, the, it's exciting, it's exciting for us again, with all the seniors that we have, they, they know what's at stake and, and you know, I was talking to Will Daniels the other day in the dugout and he's like, coach, we just, we want to get there. You know, you've been talking to us about it and we, we're starting to see that we can do this. Um, and, and like I told him, I was like, well, it's you guys that have to do it. You know, the, the coaches, we're going to put you in positions to be successful but you guys got to hang on, you know, like you said, we've been going through a little bit of a rough stretch. Um, you know, our last 11 games, 10 now are, are all in the state of Louisiana. So that, you know, not that they're all home games, but, um, at least we don't have to travel a whole lot and, um, hopefully we can get our legs back under us and, and kind of refocus. Uh, this is the last week of school for our players. Um, and then exams are next week. So, you know, we can maybe get those things out of the way and um, really concentrate on these last six games at home, and then you know the the four one with McNeese, and and then uh, the ones at uh, at Lafayette to finish up. And it's you know it's interesting we finish up at Lafayette, and that's where the tournament's going to be. So we know what's what's at stake, and um, we hold our own destiny. But this is a big weekend because Georgia State's a half game ahead of us. They they've got one less game played than we do. That's why they have the half game. Ahead of us, and you know, if we can if we can do what we're supposed to do this weekend, especially at home, um, you know, again, we're setting ourselves up to uh, you know in the right position to, for the tournament.
1: Yeah, there was a great crowd out there last night. I think they were uh, thoroughly entertained, and hopefully, uh, the weather will hold up for you guys this weekend.
3: Absolutely, we have had some interesting weekends for sure, and uh, it was actually nice last weekend at Coastal to play a three game series because we we played seven double headers, which. Um, and that makes it difficult too, because navigating a weekend when you only when you're only playing on two days, and how do you use your your bullpen. You know, sometimes the guy that you throw on Friday, you can bring back on Sunday. And um, when, when you're playing some of those double headers, it makes it difficult to uh, you know kind of use your bullpen the way you really want to be able to use it. So hopefully we have some good weather. And uh, like you said, the crowd was awesome last night. I think they were like you said they were thoroughly entertained. I think we all love to see the offense and. You know, runs being scored, just like in football you want to see touchdowns or, you know, in basketball you want to see three-pointers or dunks. And um, we did that last night with three home runs and, you know, a number of doubles and, and a lot of runs being scored.
1: Coach Federico, as always, we appreciate the time. We'll see you out at Warhawk Field this weekend. Thanks, guys. ULM head coach Michael Federico joins for his weekly visit.
2: Yeah, and, I mean, that was a huge win last night coming back from, you know, I mean, you can you can you can roll your eyes at them beating Gramblin, but Gramblin beat them earlier this year. And Gramblin, you know, you mentioned Marshawn Tate. I mean, listen, this guy hitting over 400 this year—that's nothing to sneeze at. He did it last year as well. I mean, gramblin has got some really good players. Yeah,
1: and it's just promising to see what uh, the bats are starting to do now. Uh, last night, and then of course that game against Coastal Carolina, big series against Georgia State. After listening to Hawk Talk, I understand. Uh, for Sunbelt Conference Tournament play, and that was one of the ultimate goals for this team to get into that tournament. If it started today, which it doesn't, they would be in, but uh, just by barely. So they got some business to do this weekend Mm -hmm. against Georgia State, and as you heard from Coach Fed, they're half a game behind them in the standings. So certainly if they could win this series, that would go a long ways in getting them into that postseason tournament. After Georgia State, next weekend they'll get Troy and then they'll wrap up a conference play on the road versus the Cajuns down in Lafayette.
2: Hey, coming up after this break, I've got a lot of different things I want to throw at you. I give a little tease here. One of those things involves your beloved Saquon Barkley and how some feel that the Giants made the wrong choice at number two in the draft. I want to get your thoughts on that. Who is
1: that? Who's that some?
2: This, there's some, and I've got even someone from Bleach Report going as far to say it was the worst pick of the draft. Wow. I
1: look forward to hearing this yes. uh, commentary. We will break it down. Did this guy get any picks right in the mock draft? <laughs> that I don't know. What are his credentials?
2: <laughs> what is anyone's credentials yeah, well, when it true. comes to that?
1: 888 We're back after this.
5: Go Guerrero. Call 24 hours a day at 325-4306 or come by the office at 2200 Forsyth Avenue in Monroe.
0: Brad Parker and his wife Leah opened the Iron Cactus in Calhoun, Louisiana on July 12, 2010 and has made Iron Cactus into a one-of-a-kind restaurant and, in my opinion, the best Tex-Mex in the area. They now have a second location at 428 desired Street in Monroe. Iron Cactus offers a family-friendly environment that's open for lunch, and dinner, and also has an array of platters for your catered events. Every time you visit Iron Cactus, you'll find a dedicated and grateful staff with a commitment to deliver the best Tex-Mex, along with the fresh ideas that will make you want to come back again and again. They pride themselves in using fresh food to meet your expectations of a delicious dining experience, and they look forward to serving you in a simple cantina setting. What's better than the Iron Cactus fajitas? Eating them with a margarita, obviously. They are so excited to announce they're now serving your favorite margaritas, wine, and ice cold beer in downtown Monroe. 428 Nazeer Street in Monroe and 1304 Highway 80 East in Calhoun. Local
1: Sports Talk
0: is on the air on the morning drive. This hour is sponsored by Car King in Monroe.
1: All right, Jake, you've been crunching the numbers. You've been scouring headlines across the country. What'd you come up with?
2: I got several things. One thing I want to say before we get to the Saquon Barkley thing, LeBron James quote, All right. probably one of the worst games of the season, talking about himself, how about that Aaron, how about awning, he's humble, he is very humble, but seriously though, good for him for saying that, he gave credit to his teammates, because for once, they helped him out, they actually showed up and played some ball,
1: LeBron's number is 12 of 30 from the field, from a three point land, just one of eight, from the free-throw line, 1 of 6. He did end up with 11 rebounds, 13 assists, and ends up with 26 points. Does Kevin Love ever come out and call it the worst game of his season?
2: If he did, it would be every single outing, right?
1: Uh, he was 3 of 13 from the field. It's he has 7 points.
2: He's just a shell of himself, man. It's just not.
1: You think it's because of the system, plus he's
2: aging? And because of the injuries he sustained throughout his career. I mean, it's a combination of all three, really.
1: Uh, they did win, though. Let's remember. 119, yeah, well, 112 against Toronto. Like in I said,
2: I think that was less about LeBron being great and more about Toronto just blowing it. Toronto just doing what Toronto does. You have playoff Rondo and you have playoff Raptors. This was playoff Raptors at its finest. All right. So we teased the Saquon Barkley story. I'll read you these three graphs. I want to get your thoughts on it. Yeah. All right. So this is from Bleacher Report. The New York Giants guaranteed Saquon Barkley thirty-one million dollars in his rookie contract, which will be the second most for any running back in NFL history. When you take a back, wait. When you take a back as high as Giants general manager Dave Gettleman did, mm-hmm. the expectations based on dollars alone are almost unattainable. Mm-hmm. Barkley may be above average. But it will be tough for him. Above average. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but it will be tough for him to live up to the investment. Yeah. He also likely won't make as much of an impact as the four quarterbacks who were drafted between mm. New York's first and second round picks, that being Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, and Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Speaking of that second selection, offensive lineman Will Hernandez, they could have gotten. Nick Chubb, Ronald Jones, Carrion Johnson, and Darius Guys—they were all still on the board when the Giants made it. So, saying you got a quarterback there, you get one of those running backs in that second spot. That's easy to say. Defend, but I know, okay. defend the pick, Aaron.
1: He's—we think a generational type back, correct? I mean, he is one of those guys that is. When talent. everybody, Generational did, type talent. When everybody did this draft and they weighed who should who's the best player, the best prospect, it was a consensus number one that he was the man. He was the difference maker.
2: Yes. There there's something about so Barkley, But then you go the whole
1: conversation with running backs and you know, they are a diamond dozen now and well, the Well not football. even
2: that. I mean, yes, that conversation's there and they are always gonna have that And conversation. their shelf life. But with Barkley, I think it was more about he's a home run hitter right? Yeah, he'll give you those big-time plays where he reels off an incredible run, but he got in trouble a lot of times in college trying to make those runs, you know, running sideline to sideline and getting tracked in the back row for a loss. He cannot. But how many
1: times do we see Barry Sanders and we see a three or four-yard loss, and how many times do you actually remember those?
2: Aaron, Barry Sanders. This kid ain't Barry Sanders yet. All All right, He's a great talent. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's you can't just say oh well Barry Sanders did it Saquon will do it he can do it yeah but we got to see him actually do it that's all I'm saying is I I still view him as a home run threat a home run threat that you can use in versatile ways I mean you can line him up at slot if you want to right I mean we even saw some of that in his Penn State career where it's just like wow this guy really can seemingly do it all but he got in trouble for trying to do it all a lot of times he's got to learn and he, and he will learn I, I just. You know, how much time will it take him to to figure that out in the NFL?
1: Well, the Giants were stuck in a tough spot. I mean, because you still have Eli Manning there. So are you going to try to go all in and see if you can make this work for two years? Or are you just going to say, all right, it's all about the future. We're going to get our quarterback now. We're moving past Eli. And ultimately they decided, yes, let's go all in now. Let's have a difference maker in Barkley. And then, of course, you see how everybody's on board, and he has what the number one selling jersey over the past weekend.
2: Sure, yeah. Well, I mean, he's the most exciting player in the draft. That doesn't surprise me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you can, you can second guess this pick just because of where they were in the draft and because they still needed some help up front on that defensive line, and you had Bradley Chubb there. And also, like you said, everybody's looking at Eli's age, looking at the – decline in play and saying, well, you, you need to invest in the future there. So I, I understand second guessing. I would not call it the worst pick in the draft. Yeah. That is trying to grab that was headlines. Clickbait. That was clickbait, yes. Uh, Saquon Barkley will be a great pro, but it is interesting that he's getting paid uh, the second most amount for a running back has ever gotten paid in the NFL. Cool. Well.
1: You look at uh, notable draft picks at at running backs, and I guess you have to go back to last year when Leonard Fournette went number four overall. If you had to project or make a prediction, long-term, what running back do you like the best? Would you rather have Barkley in the backfield or would you rather have Fournette? I would contend that I would rather have Barkley because I still think uh, Fournette, of course, in his running style and, of course, how injury-prone he is, I would still say.
2: I agree with that. I don't. I don't disagree. I think you know. But when you're talking about they, they,
1: highly drafted players, I mean, we talked about Fournette at five. I mean, LT four. four, and then LT I think went five a while back. Peterson went, I think, seven, and then. But you throw in guys like Trent Richardson. I mean, when, when we talked about biggest bus,
2: you you just don't know though, because you look at Peterson's style of running. You look at you know, uh, think about you know, beast mode, right? I mean, the way these guys run the football, for them to have as long a careers as they've had, you know, it's with that running style, you just don't know. Maybe Fournette can have a similar career where he he has that running style and Mm -hmm. is able to do it for six, seven, eight years. Who knows? So I think it's too early to tell, but Barkley is the safer option just because you, you won't give him as many carries. He'll probably touch the ball 10 to 15 times a game you looking at me like that. Yeah, that's that's going to happen. You he's think gonna they're going to give him 20 carries a game?
1: Well, 20 touches at some point, yes.
2: In his rookie year?
1: The other thing with Barkley is everybody, you know, he's the home run threat, but we're not talking about a small back. I mean, these kids are no, like 225, 230.
2: He's not small, and he can touch the ball in different ways, but he's not the four net where you just keep giving it to him. And you keep pounding and you keep wearing on that defense. He's not that type of guy.
1: I'll take the over and under uh, of the the 10. You can have the under 10 touches per game.
2: I did not say he was having less than 10 touches per game. I said he was getting somewhere between 10 and 15. So you would say over 15. Over 13 and a half. (laughs) You make no sense. It cannot
1: be the worst pick in the NFL draft, Barkley going at number two. No,
2: it's silly. Yes. It's silly. I just wanted to bring that up because I knew it'd get on your skin. Because that's your favorite. player. you go
1: Denzel Ward at number four to Cleveland.
2: That's not the worst pick, but mm-hmm. it's a head scratching pick. Yeah. Rashad Penny. That might be the worst pick. <laughs> <laughs> that, that might be. I watch him end up be, having like the best career. Just whatever. All right, a um, couple more things I wanted to get to. Our Astros, beloved Astros, fell last night. They lost four to nothing, and. I don't know if y'all got to see this or not, but Ken Giles gave up the go-ahead run in the ninth inning. When he left the mound and and was pulled, he, he was punching himself in the face. Nice. Yeah. So what do you make of that reaction, first of all? Second of all, can you remember a time where you punched yourself in the face over something you've done or maybe a mistake you made?
1: Not into that kind of thing. No, <laughs> <laughs> I cannot recall that.
2: <laughs> uh, I thought you'd have a good story. No,
1: no. Uh, after a bad sportscaster team, uh-huh. uh, punching a wall. Probably after
2: somebody else messed up. Yeah, going to that, punch that, that happens every thing. once in a while. <laughs> yes. yes.
1: Uh, Trent says he doesn't know what either of us are saying. Probably because you brought up Leonard Fournette and you like Barkley over Fournette.
2: Wait, what did he say? Sorry. Uh, he
1: doesn't know what either of us are saying.
2: So. We were just arguing whether Fournette or Barkley, mm-hmm. what would be the better. He's He was arguing that, well, if you take Fournette at four, what's wrong with taking Barkley at yes. two? Um, anyway, uh, so the Ken Giles thing was funny to me. Another thing I wanted to hit on was Drew Locke. So we immediately, as we typically do, immediately turn our focus to next year's draft. Who's going to be the best? Uh, like what's this, what's this draft shaping up to look like? And really it's looking like a really good defensive line draft. Like if you need defensive linemen, this is the draft for you. If you need quarterbacks, well, it looks pretty bleak right now. Yeah. But the guy at the top of the the heap of the quarterbacks is Drew Locke from mm-hmm. Missouri.
1: And he's got a double D, Derek Dooley. Well, was I was going to ask shots. you. So there you go.
2: He's getting a lot of praise. I was going to ask you, is Derek Dooley going to screw this thing up for Drew Locke? Is he going to maybe eliminate some of this momentum he has? You think
1: Dooley's sitting up in Missouri and saying, now they decide to get rid of Des Bryant. After I leave, they decide to kick him out of big D."
2: Well, Tony Romo said he was a good teammate. Yeah. Romo went to bat for Dez recently in an interview, saying he's 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 a good guy to have in the locker rooms. So I don't know how much that means, but
1: I am fascinated with Drew Locke and what they're going to do with this offense with Missouri after what they did last year, and now they have a new offensive coordinator in Dewey. He cannot come in and change things up, correct? You don't mess no. with a good thing that's working.
2: But they, but they, there's been reports that they still don't know what they're doing. Mm. That they're still trying to figure out what offense they're going to run, and I'm. I'm just like what?
1: He's another one. Statistically, he's getting it done, but also he's six foot four and looks the part of an NFL quarterback.
2: Absolutely. Well, I'll say this: uh, one NFL scout said that he had the best arm last year, and that's including the Josh Allen's, right? Everybody was amazed. That's been Josh Allen's biggest thing is he has the best arm, you know, coming into that draft, and everybody would just marvel over it. An NFL scout said, "I feel like Drew Locke's arm better." Mm. So, anyway, all eyes on Lockett, Missouri, and we'll see what Derek Dewey does with him.
1: Uh, You know, when Will Greer is being mentioned from uh, West Virginia and then, of course, uh, Fitzpatrick, Nick Fitzpatrick from Mississippi State, also getting uh, some love from NFL scouts for next year.
2: I'll say this about Greer. I liked him at Florida before he got popped. When he was at Florida and Florida, Florida was looking dang good when Will Greer was – Operating that offense, and then of course they, he he gets popped, he, he leaves the team, and that took like a downward spiral. And he had, he put up some good numbers. You know he's going to put up some good numbers at West Virginia. I think that's kind of the thing. I think it's because you don't have a whole lot of depth at quarterback coming into this class, and because he's going to put up those numbers, he'll be in the conversation when, when the draft comes around next year.
1: Mm. There's a hodgepodge of stuff from uh, Jake on this Wednesday morning. One more thing. All
2: right. Did you see the Kendrick Perkins Drake feud?
1: I did not. I saw there was a little bit of a brouhaha after the game.
2: It was at halftime. Halftime. So uh, Kendrick Perkins was saying something to um, the uh, to to Serge Ibaka uh, on the opposite side. And he was, I think, he was kind of playing around with them because they were former teammates, and he was saying, "We about to win this game," something like that. Well, Drake gets in the middle of it, and Drake just starts talking trash to Kendrick Perkins. And so then they had to have some guys in the middle of it. It's just another one of those small things in the NBA that just makes the whole game more enjoyable for me. I love all this drama. I love all these little feuds that that are taking place inside these games. And it involves fans like Kevin Hart. You know, last series we saw Kevin Hart getting into it with some guys. I mean – I love
1: it. Hmm. Richie's got a good idea here. How about the Jags lineman that likes a trainer to slap the piss out of him pregame? Would Aaron do that? Yeah, I would like to do that in the mornings around 6.55 or so at Jake.
4: <laughs> <laughs> We're just I'm sure you would. Yeah, that'd
2: be great. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you would.
1: <laughs> let's take a timeout. Coming up next, let's talk a little uh, pills What can they do to dig themselves out of this 2-0 hole versus the Warriors? You can continue to weigh in at 888-993-7762. We're back after this.
3: Get your crawdaddies now at Randall's Fine Meats. Randall's Fine Meats has your daddies ready to go every day. Low prices for live or boiled. Ask about their 5- and 10-pound specials on some of the best crawfish around. Plus, Randall's will even cater your next event. Just give them a call, 343-0382, and book in advance. Randall's also has your specialty stuffed meats. And you have to try his fried cracklins at Randall's. Like them on Facebook or just stop on by. Randall's Fine Meats,
4: 4205 Old Sterlington Road, Monroe. We're talking with Matt Livengood, General Manager at Calvert Crossing Golf Club. You know, Matt, people probably have asked you, what's so special about Calvert Crossing? Well, the difference is our daily focus is on grass and it's on people. So, what that brings to you is unsurpassed
2: customer service and superior golf course conditions. And May is the final month of our spring membership drive. You can make Calvert Crossing your home club at 75% off initiation and your first month's dues are free. Come enjoy the private club experience without the private club cost. Stop by and we will give you a tour of our first class facilities. Calvert Crossing is located on Hodge Watson Road in Calhoun
0: grab another cup of coffee and keep tuned to the morning drive this hour is sponsored by car king and monroe
1: welcome back to the show uh, the Pels wake up this morning and now they're in a uh, two hole two zero hole versus golden state good news though this sh- series shifts back to new orleans
2: yes it does and i think it's I t- look, I said it earlier. I think it's one of those cases where you take some positives away from a loss. No, it's not a moral victory. But when you look at the way they played in Game 2 as opposed to Game 1, I, and, and a lot of people's argument today is they need to slow it down, they need to stop with this uh, up-tempo that plays into the favor of Golden State. I completely disagree because y- you go with what brought you there, and that up-tempo style is what got them there. Secondly, I thought the defensive intensity was way way better last night. Anthony Davis was all over the place swatting shots, you know, and not only him, I mean the whole the whole team was playing really good defense, but it just seemed like anytime Curry got a step on someone, Davis was around somewhere hovering over him and, and, and blocking the shot. But I I thought the defensive int- intensity was good. <clears throat> yeah, the Warriors are going to when they shoot like that, when Curry's on, when Durant's on, it's they're just tough to beat. They're the best team for a reason. Okay, mm-hmm. you can't sit here and nitpick it too much because at the end of the day, their 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 guys are better than our guys. Okay, let's let's face it. But that said, Drew Holiday is still putting on a show. The way when he crossed up Kevin Durant last night, I was like, man, how good has this guy gotten? I mean, it's insane. He he was great last night. I thought. Uh, Davis was really good uh, up until he, he messed up his shin, and it just seemed like that bothered him the rest of the way. He wasn't the same kind of guy that we saw in the first two quarters, I thought. But overall, I took a lot of positives away
1: from him. The two staggering stats that stand up the most in this 121-116 to 116 loss to Golden State last night. Of course, uh, the three-point shooting by the Pels when you're just 13-37 of 37 from long range. That's a tough pill to swallow. And also the fact you get a grand total of nine free-throw attempts on the game. You convert seven of them. You lose by five points, and you just look at the disparity in free-throws. You have nine attempts. They once again have 27, and they convert 22 of the 27.
2: Yeah, and again, I I, I thought they were letting them play early on, uh, and that's really went into that stat. But that said –
1: Anthony Davis and Holiday, of course, combined with zero free throws. Just where team. I
2: was going. That can't happen. You know, they they are okay. Anthony Davis is a superstar. I won't call Holiday a superstar, but he is one of the stars.
1: So he should be getting calls.
2: He should be getting calls. Anthony Davis, no doubt, should be getting calls, especially when Draymond. And in. if somebody's
1: wrestling around on the ground with him, yes, and you're just trying to get up,
2: and you're just trying to get up, and, and Draymond legs, has you're to a do seven those. Footer. Those extra and he's little trying things. to put him in
1: the figure four.
2: <laughs> Pretty much, it was ridiculous, man. I, I I'm getting
1: and then you get unwrapped and he still pushes your legs back down right in front of the official.
2: Yeah, but I will say this: I thought the Pelicans mo- most of the time when Draymond does those type of antics, like you could see it getting the other team's head. I didn't think it got in the Pelicans' head. I thought they were very cool and calm about it. Rondo just combated it with typical Rondo stuff. I mean, the wiping the sweat on the ball at the free throw line to get when, when Draymond was free throws was one of the funniest things I've seen this year. Uh, and just, like, getting in his face and just showing him, like, look, dude, I'm, I'm an OG. I'm not afraid of you. I'm not going to be intimidated by your antics.
1: So the most optimistic Pell fans think, well, maybe it'll be a good thing if Steph Curry tries to come back onto the court and rushes back a little bit too early. He'll be rusty, or perhaps it'll throw off the rhythm of a Golden State as he'll be the sixth man. He'll be coming off the bench. Uh, that didn't work out too no, well. No, it was. As Curry, uh, Steph has uh, 28 points in just 27 minutes of play. He comes in with about four and a half minutes to go in the first quarter. Then within literally 11 seconds, he gets the crowd base and the fans fired up.
2: I, I almost feel like it was strategic in the way that Kerr was like, all right, I'm going to wait till they have a lot of momentum and I'm going to send him out there. Because that's when the Pelicans went up like eight, and they were feeling it, and then I was like, okay, well, let's just send in Curry. And that's when he came in, and you saw the crowd erupt. I mean, they erupted for him. And then, like you said, 11 seconds in, he hits that long shot. And it was he hit another shot, and then he made a sweet pass. And then there was a dead ball, and Curry was basically out of bounds. And the ball ended up in his hands. He just threw it up and made it. And I was like, dang. I looked at my wife I was like, dang, this is going to be a long night for us. I mean, <laughs> this is, when he's on like this, it's it's just almost impossible to beat those guys.
1: A couple statistics you need to point out. For Golden State, that was their 14th consecutive playoff victory at home. Put that in perspective, historical purposes, that is now one win away from tying the Bulls' all-time record of 15. Thankfully, this series now moves to New Orleans.
2: It moves to New Orleans. I, I cannot wait to see – how New Orleans Welcomes Draymond Green. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to that.
1: it would be kind of like uh, Roger Goodell going to the mic in Dallas.
2: Basically. <laughs> yes, think that. That's how it's going to be. I, I, I hope it's one of those cases, I hope the, the Pelicans fans do this, where every time Draymond touches the ball, they boo. Like, you remember when like uh, LeBron in Miami would go back to Cleveland? Right. Every time he touched the ball, just boo. <laughs> I want that to happen.
1: Uh, Draymond had a pretty good game last night. He time.
2: did, and he had two big-time three-pointers in that fourth I mean, quarter. He had
1: 12 assists, uh, nine rebounds, and ends up with 20 points.
2: But I'll say this. I thought he kind of muscled around Davis in that first game. I thought he, he was much tougher inside. This game, Davis w- w- was tougher of the two, I thought, at least early on until uh, Davis kind of got sh- sh- shaken up a bit.
1: Here's the most discouraging stat in NBA uh, history: When you fall behind two to nothing in a best of seven series, your chances are not good. Nineteen and two hundred seventy-eight all time in the NBA postseason when you fall behind two nothing in a series.
2: That's a thanks to our listeners. That's a six percent chance of winning. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, one of the major headlines from last night: You can weigh in on the Stuart Shelby Hotline slash Text Line eight 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 nine nine three seven seven six two are you confident now that this series can go to five or six games?
2: Well, confident is, uh, I don't know if I would use the word confident. I'm still optimistic that it can go to five or six. Yeah. is a different story. I have some doubts, <laughs> as I should.
1: Uh, Let's stay in New Orleans and, of course, uh, the situation with the Saints. Uh, A lot of people missed our interview with Thomas Morstead a week ago, and we were discussing what took place at the end of the Vikings game and, of course, uh, Morstead coming back out there with his rib injury and then what that created for him and, of course, his foundation during the offseason. It was a pretty cool story just how the Viking fans respected that uh, Morstead would be one of the Saints guys that would come back you know, it was a ceremonial thing where he's standing out there, but just
2: honestly, the sportsmanship on his part. Yeah, I honestly didn't understand the story. Like, I didn't understand why it became such a big thing because all he did was go out there. And I know that's a sign of sportsmanship. Yeah, a crushing
1: defeat, Jake.
2: I, I get it, but I'm You're saying injured. He
1: could barely. He gets injured on the basically the what the first I'm saying quarter is of that game.
2: What I'm saying is, yeah, like that would. That would lead to me to say, well, good for him. Yeah. That would lead me to go, you know what, let's empty our, our wallets and, and support this guy.
1: Tabor, I think Jake is getting more, uh, becoming more of a subtle jerk as this show <laughs> progresses. The longer he's been i got to stop hanging out with you. Yeah. Well, what is up with this?
2: I'm just saying, like, it didn't move me. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, all, it like, moved them to to support
1: him all right jake's trying to spoil the story it was certainly a good one uh, following uh, we're trying to look for a positive following the, the saints heartbreaking loss to the vikings we asked thomas morstead about that moment of course coming back on the field and then the outpouring of love that he received from the viking fans uh, saints fans of course uh, have loved you for a long time and then the rest of the country got to learn more about you this past uh, season the heartbreaking loss to minnesota And the scenario that played out, of course, uh, and, you know, the Vikings uh, were were brought back on the field. They go into your locker room and ask uh, some players to come back on and and be on the defensive side of the ball. You were battling through in a rib injury. Walk us through that scenario and how you ended back up onto that field in the playoffs uh, last year against the Vikings.
6: Well, um, you know, I hung out on the football field as long as possible after the game uh, because I knew that we were supposed to have to do the extra point, even if it didn't matter. And then at some point I realized there were no other players out there, so I went into the uh, locker room. And as soon as I got into the locker room, the referees were just walking out, and I guess they just asked for 11 guys to get back out on the field. And, you know, um, obviously I wouldn't traditionally be out there for that type of play, but, um, you know, over 50% of the guys all had their pads and jerseys off already. And, uh, you know, they just needed 11 guys to go stand out there. And, you know, I was dressed out and ready to roll, so I just ran out there and um, didn't think much of it, honestly, um, until it became a big deal afterwards. I was just, um, you know, they they just needed 11 bodies. And so I I went out there, and that was it.
1: Uh, How much did it humble you or blow you away? Then the outpouring of love that you saw from around the National Football League and especially Minnesota fans, are uh, contributing, what, uh, $221,000 to your foundation.
6: Yeah, look, it was, uh, it was tremendous what happened. It definitely kind of helped me cope with the loss and the way we lost the game. Uh, gave me something to focus on that was positive. Um, but you know, it was just a tough, it was a tough deal. You know, it was a tough deal when you lose like that. And, um, but, you know, it's something that will motivate the group. And, you know, we're just excited about the, uh, you know, about the season that's upcoming here.
1: Thomas, a couple final questions. In that locker room, and, of course, a teammate that had a sensational rookie campaign, Marcus Williams, and he makes the big blunder in the most important game of the year. How do you as a teammate handle that situation with him? And then on the flip side, how do you think he handled it with the media?
6: I thought he was fantastic. Um, you know, it's really tough in this day and age to find people that will, um, you know, take accountability and, and take the bullets, um, so to speak from the media after things go poorly. And that, that kid just got dressed after the game and had all the media invited him over to his locker and answered every question and he's a true professional and, um, You know, I I just think that's a rare quality, and uh, I was just really proud of him. And I know everybody on our team loves him, and um, and also knows that he's a huge part of why we did well last year. That whole rookie class was amazing, and um, I'm sure he's going to be the reason that we go far in the future.
1: Thomas Morstead on the show uh, last week, some good stuff there. No matter what Jake says.
2: That's not what I was saying. I was saying it's a great story, yes. I'm just still surprised that it became a story mm. because I don't know why they were so moved by it. That is all I'm trying to say. Uh,
1: Saints did make a move uh, yesterday as uh, they have former Ohio State quarterback J.T. Barrett signed, sealed, and delivered. Free agent, undrafted rookie. Of course, we all know what he did at Ohio State, whether or not that game can, can translate to the next level. Is a whole nother question. Of course, now he'll compete with a Taysom Hill and Tom Savage for that backup quarterback spot. I know absolutely nothing about Tom Savage.
2: <laughs> Will it be another Terrell Pryor situation hmm. where he has to switch positions?
1: Yeah. Somebody mentioned that uh, earlier in the show.
2: Yeah, maybe.
1: Hmm. I also uh, the guy that uh, crushed LSU's hearts, the quarterback from Troy. Brandon Silvers also gets a tryout with the Saints. No deal extended just yet. 888 993 7762. Let's take a timeout. Coming up after the break, our parting shots on the morning drive.
3: The all new yard
0: power of Monroe, Northeast Louisiana's only Cub Cadet dealer. Your Cup Cadet Superstore is holding a big open house this Saturday where you can save 15% on all Cup Cadet Pro-Z mowers. That could mean up to $1,800 in savings. Big discounts on a great selection. Even red tag special deals on closeout inventory. So remember YP, Yard Power. On Highway 165 in Monroe, just one mile north of Century Lane.
4: Whatever car you're looking for, whatever the price,
5: Go Guerrero. Call 24 hours a day at 325 4306 or come by the office at 2200 Forsyth Avenue in Monroe.
4: Good morning. Here's the latest weather conditions for our area mostly cloudy skies with no mention of rain in the forecast for today with a high of 85 degrees. Partly cloudy skies, mild temperatures tonight at low 68. Partly cloudy skies in the forecast for tomorrow and a high of 84 degrees.
0: Good morning, Louisiana. This is The Morning Drive. This hour is sponsored by Car King in Monroe.
1: Welcome back to the show. Jake promises to end with a bang. and It's a little segment we call Party Shots.
3: I started when we didn't have computers. We didn't have cell phones. We didn't have any of that garbage.
0: You do what everybody else in the media does, just creates and throw it on the wall and see what sticks. I have
3: something to ask. Just like this, let's do it.
0: where where that come from. I never said that. Nobody in this building never said that. So where'd you come up with that? Just, you know, had a dream about it or what?
3: But see, it's real easy when you're not in the business, when you've never played the game, when you don't understand truly what the game is. And that, to me, that's chicken.
1: I got a question, Jake, and a, certainly a question for the listeners out there at 888-993-7762. So, would it be appropriate and would it be okay on the anniversary of when Bruce Petty, one of many times that he went off on this show, if we bring him back? You know, it, uh, the anniversary date is coming up here in the next couple of weeks.
2: Please.
1: You you would welcome that?
2: Oh, everyone would welcome that.
1: Would ULM fans welcome that, though?
2: Is it time <sighs> it was in the
1: past and now you're moving on?
2: Do you want some good audio? Yeah.
1: God, it doesn't you hurt. We are a radio show.
2: Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Do you want to be entertained?
1: So you say all in. I'm all in. If he'll do it. Hashtag all in. Get him out. Get him on the show.
2: Uh, yes.
1: All right. I'll figure out what date that that was, and maybe we can make that happen one year later. Perfect. Hindsight. Do anything different. Moved on with his life. ULM has certainly moved on.
2: David, yeah, was there anything you didn't get to say that you want to say? <laughs>
1: <laughs> we need some new material for our party <laughs> yeah. shots. This is your opportunity. <laughs> All right, Jake's all excited about that idea. Uh, Are you as excited about tomorrow and our top ten Thursday? Do we have Do we have a topic yet?
2: Yeah, we got a topic. We've got the best NFL draft classes since two thousand.
1: Oh, so you want to bring in the Saints, don't you? I do. Yeah.
2: The thing is, how do you rank them after one year? You know what I mean? Like, doesn't it need time to really see? Like, we need to make sure nobody gets injured. Nobody just falls off all of a sudden. I still think it makes top ten just because of the immediate splash. And I say this without really looking at, you know, before really But we always get caught up
1: in the moment. That we was do. the greatest game. That was the greatest player. Now this is the greatest draft class of all time.
2: No, 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 no. no. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, it, it in my opinion, right today, I feel like it's top ten worthy. But this is before I actually do the research and look at and compare it to the other ones. But yeah, man, that what a draft that was. I mean, you had the two rookie of the years in that draft. How many times does that happen? You know what I mean. So, but again, it's only been one year. That's going to hurt hurt its ranking. You know.
1: All right, I look forward to doing some of this research. Yeah, it's gonna be a little tough,
2: man. Well, that's why we have the job, right? We don't, we don't
1: have any games tonight, so we got a little opportunity. Some no free games time.
2: tonight. Yeah, the game right. starts tomorrow.
1: All right, that's coming up. Uh, for this parting shot, do you want to go with this uh, feud now with a 28 year old and a 55 year old? Draymond Green. I thought Charles this Barkley. was the parting shot. Uh,
2: yeah. Um, so for those who missed it, at halftime, Draymond Green gets in the face, uh, kind of gets into the face with uh, Rajon Rondo. They exchange some words, but you know, Draymond was being. Say this, uh, a jerk, a, a jerk, conversational for, for for the majority of the game, how he normally does. You know, he tries to subtle to, jerk. He tries to get. He's not subtle. He tries to get <laughs> in uh, people's heads, and you know, the stuff with Anthony Davis when they got tied up, and Anthony Davis hit him with the alma plata. I love that, uh, but you know, the way he that he was just kind of acting throughout the game, they cut to. Uh, NBA TNT, NBA on TNT, those guys in the studio, and Ernie's kind of breaking it down, showing the clip of Rajon Rondo.
1: Best show on the air.
2: It is so good. And basically, uh, Charles Buck says, I would love to punch him in the face. <laughs> and they're all, like, taking a bet, like, what? And he's like, I would just love to punch Draymond Green in the face. <laughs> and so – that leads to this moment where, after the game, <laughs> some reporters asked him about it and said, hey, you know, Charles Buckley said he
4: would like to punch you in the face.
1: Your response is, Draymond Green?
4: I mean, what do you think? Do you, do you even... i think Rachel a lot started. of guys talk on TV, um, stand behind a microphone or a TV screen. The fact of the matter is, if, if you feel that strongly about something, he's seen me a million times. If you feel that strongly about it, then punch me in my face when you see me. If you're not going to punch me in my face when you see me, then shut up. It's no different than somebody sitting behind a computer screen tweeting. I'll knock you out and you never see him in life. Well, he's seen me a bunch of times and he'll see me again this year. Punch me in the face when you see me or if not, no one cares what you would have done. you old and it is what it is. So, if you ain't going to punch me when you see me, then stop talking about it. Period.
1: I love that soundbite. That is awesome.
2: It's so good.
1: There's a lot of people out there right now saying they'd love to punch Jake or myself probably in the face. Probably.
2: But it's really good just because I like that approach. Like I liked what Russell Westbrook said when he was basically calling people out, saying, you know, and he proved it when he got in that fan's face. But, like, you know, you'll say whatever you want on Twitter or, you know, when you're a fan in the crowd and you've got other people around you, you can just holler whatever you want to somebody. When you come face-to-face, you know, mano-a-mano. You know your your tone changes a bit, and that's basically what he was saying there. Is even though I'm on Charles Barkley's side on this because I think we all, as as Pelicans fans, want to hit Draymond right now. But uh, yeah, I, I did like that response from from Draymond.
4: Mm.
1: Good stuff. Uh, other headlines we didn't discuss it a lot, but uh, later today uh, we're expecting the LHSA to release a press release that states that Wasman head football coach Dean Smith will be suspended for four games to start next year and fined $2,500, a recruiting violation involving a Carroll 8th grader. What that means, uh, besides the fact that uh, Dean Smith and Wassman, you think, will appeal this decision, but they will be without their head coach to start the regular season. This will be the second time in uh, two years this has happened with uh, Jerry Arledge, of course, being suspended Mm -hmm. last year involving a Wassman athlete, and now the, the tables have turned as uh, the Wildcats' head coach Dean Smith expected to be suspended those four games. For the record, Jamboree still scheduled with Carroll and Wasman, and then the two rivals uh, will square off again on October twenty-sixth at Carroll. Side stories to this, of course, uh, the Bulldogs with a new head coach, mm-hmm. and of course, the former head coach of Carroll has found a new home on the Wasman coaching staff.
2: Oh boy. <laughs> And by the way, he can coach the Jamboree, right? I mean, yes, it's not a game. Yes, so he can right. he can coach that. Oh, yes. I imagine you and I won't miss that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's going to be fun. Mm-hmm.
1: So, uh, interesting situations de- uh, developing with two schools, two programs within the same school district. Carolyn Waspin.
2: Just adding more fuel to the fire.
1: All right, what we got going on tomorrow?
2: Tomorrow is Top 10 Thursday, it's our favorite day of the week. We get to rattle off our list of the greatest NFL draft classes since 2000, and we'll have Chris Blair on, talk a little LSU baseball, how confident they are, to get his thoughts on what he thinks about the D1 baseball predicting LSU will get left out of the tournament.
1: Also, i uh, got an interview. It'll be a heartbreaking story. Of course, we told it on the TV side. So if you haven't had a chance to watch it, go to KNOE.com. Shane Hendricks, uh, Cole Hendricks, of course, a pitcher on the ULM staff. He lost his mother before the season started. How that team and that program has really rallied behind Cole and his father, Shane. His uh, father, Shane Hendricks, scheduled to join us at 830 to bring awareness to colon
2: cancer. Good so
1: We'll also get a uh, high school coach or two on the show as we look forward to the state quarterfinals. A couple of texts here as we wrap things up, Jake.
2: Trent says, Barkley throws guys through double-paned glass windows. Get him, Charles. Jason says, I'd love to punch Draymond, too. He looks like a grown-up, snotty nose brat.
1: Keep the text coming for the edge. It's coming up after the break. Thanks for listening to The Morning Drive. We'll yell at you bright and early tomorrow morning.
4: Thanks for listening
0: to the best of The Morning Drive with Dietrich and White. To listen live every day, tune in at ESPN977.com or subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts.